ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌನತ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಪೂರ್ಣಮದೂರ್ಣಾತ್ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದೇ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ್ಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಾಲಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯೇ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಶ್ರುತಿಸ್ಮೃತಿಪುರಾಣಲಯಂಕರುಣಾಲಯ ನಮಿ ಭಗವತ್ಪಾದ ಶಂಕರ ಲೋಕಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತ ವಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತ ಪುನಃ ಪುನಃ ಈಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇರಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾಗಿನೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಮೂರ್ತೆಯೋಕ್ಷಾನುಭೂತಿ ವಿಚ್ ಇಸ್ ಕಾಲ್ಡ್ ಎ ಪ್ರಕರಣ ಗ್ರಂಥ ಆಲ್ಟೀಸ್ ಇನ್ ವೇದಾಂತ ಪ್ರಕರಣ ಪ್ರಕರಣ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಎ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಯುನೋ ಸೊ ಲೈಕ್ ಎ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಆಫ್ ವೇದಾಂತ ಹೋಲ್ ವೇದಾಂತ ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಇಸ್ ದೇರ್ ವಿ ಎ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ದಟ್ ಹೈಲೈಟ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ವಿಚ್ ಹೈಲೈಟ್ಸ್ ಸಮ್ ಆಸ್ಪೆಕ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಟೆನ್ ಟೀಚಿಂಗ್ ಹೌ ಎವರ್ ಮೋಸ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಕಂಪ್ಲೀಟ್ ದೇ ಸಿಮ್ ಟು ಟೆಲ್ ಎಸ್ ಎವ್ರಿಥಿಂಗ್ ರಿಯಲಿ ದಟ್ ಮೀನ್ ದ ಕೇಸ್ ದೇ ಗಿವ್ ಅಸ್ ಇನ್ ಬ್ರೀಫ್ ದಿ the perception of the entire vedanta <coughs> so also they explain as i said the technical terms that are normally used in vedanta in a way you may say that study of this kind of text becomes a good preparation gives a background for studying the upanishads however when you study this text we find that they refer to upanishads meaning that they quote many statements from upanishads i don't know whether you should study upanishad to study this or study this to upanishad is you know that means we have to like our swami used to say you know i mean if you want to study bhagavad gita then you start from one verse second verse third verse but then when can you completely understand a given verse when you understand all the verses because every verse has in some way or is related or connected with other verses also meaning that we can properly understand one verse provided you know all the verses and you can know all the verses provided you understand every verse so there's like catch in there so therefore you should go to someone who knows that's where of course justification of going to a teacher who not only knows this text but also should know all the various references that come from you know not only upanishads they can be references from other other scriptures also 
and therefore a teacher should be well versed. For attacking you must need, you need many weapons. For defending you may not need, but so, for being a student, you may not need everything, but for a teacher, a lot of things are needed. Then only you can correct everything and can give a, a clear idea, a clear understanding. <coughs> so this Aparokshanabhuti is said to be composed by Adi Shankaracharya, none other than the Shankaracharya. And the Sanskrit commentary that we handed over to you is said written by Swami Vidyaranya. Swami Vidyaranya also is a very famous teacher of Vedanta, being the one who had compo- who composed Panchadashi. So one of the highly respected teachers of Vedanta, Swami Vidyaranya. When someone like that writes a commentary, then the text also must be very respectable. So this is the, the commentary of Deepika by uh, Swami Vidyaranya. And you said the subject matter here is the self, which is a paroksha or immediate. <coughs> and the text begins with a prayer, what we call Mangala Charanam. The customary always to begin any auspicious task with a prayer. Mangala Charanam, an auspicious introduction in the form of a prayer. <coughs> becomes also introduction, becomes prayer, and therefore these writers make use of this one verse of prayer also to convey many more things than just the prayer. So we will see here this prayer, in now the prayer, the Mangalacharam also, are of three kinds. One is Ishta Devata Namaskas. So salutation to Ishta Devata, your personal God or your God of choice. Ishta Devata, the chosen deity. So view this concept Ishta Devata. My chosen deity. I mean the whole vast array of choice that we have. So you have a ch- chosen deity. One whom you have for whom you have reverence or devotion and therefore whom you worship, that becomes the chosen deity. So it can be Shri Krishna, Rama, Shiva, anybody. <coughs> so Ishta Devata Namaskaratmakam of the nature of Namaskara, salutation to Ishta Devata, Ishwara of course, but in that particular form. The one who is worshipped is always Ishwara. But in a given form you worship, which form is conducive to invoke in you the devotion for Ishwar. What is most important in worship is devotion. The reason why we have so many devatas, Ishta devatas, is because different people have different dispositions in different choices. And there were one deity, Devata, may appeal to somebody, 
समुद्र देवता में फिल्टू समुद्रियाटिंग some aspect of ishwara in particular like lord krishna would highlight the love the joy aspect of ishwara lord rama highlighted the the truth and dharma the righteousness and this different lord shiva highlights the renunciation you know the uh, non attachment renunciation knowledge so different people different devatas appeal to different people and so there one of them becomes your chosen deity <coughs> and namaskar apaka so salutation to ishta devata or the deity of your choice or tatvam sandana apaka meaning that sometimes a prayer is in the form of anusandana meditation deliberation or aiming the tattva the truth like purnamadah purnamidam so it just that verse in which describes that everything is purnam everything is complete everything is whole whole is the nature of tattva the truth so when you utter that verse as a prayer verse there is in the mind anusandhanam a meditation upon that tattva or the truth which is purnam So sometimes the mangalacharana or the prayer is of that nature. Sometimes ashirvadatmakam, nature of benediction or blessing is given sometimes. So that also can be prayer. So here, so ishta paradevata anusandhan laksham mangalam. Here Adi Shankaracharya, who is the author of this text, the Tikkakara says, तत्र आचार्यादेवता the supreme deity that is is ishta the chosen deity anusandhan lakshanam meaning that this mangalacharanam the prayer is of the nature of anusandhanam the remembrance the deliberation meditation upon one's own chosen deity who is none other than ishwara of course so what for this is done where we begin an auspicious endeavor with a prayer nirvigna grantha samapte for removing possible obstacles so that shriyamsi bahu vigna this is the whenever you begins with auspicious there are likely to be many obstacles therefore even in com- composing this text also obstacles can be there 
So that shows the humility of the teacher, Acharya. He also accepts that there can be obstacles in what I am doing. Even though he is wise person, he is liberated. Adi Shankaraja being what he was, himself is said to be the incarnation of Lord Shiva and still begins this endeavor with a prayer. Either for because he desires removal of obstacles. Also, Shishya Shikshaya to set up a tradition. Because Lord Krishna says, Yadhyadacharati Shreshtaya, whatever a leader does, whatever a, a, a respected person does, other people automatically follow. So when someone like Shankaracharya begins with prayer, then you and I will definitely do that also. So, Sashishishya Shikshaya, for Shiksha, for teaching or educating also the disciples and setting a tradition that one should begin one's endeavor with a prayer. So this is the first verses of the nature of prayer. So let us read that. Shri Harim Paramanandam Upadeshtaramishwaram Vyapakam Sarvalokanam Karanantam Namamyaham So he is Ishtadevata of Samavidyaranya of Shankarajare Shri Harim of the writer. So Shri Hari, Hari means Lord Vishnu or Haratevi Hari, one who removes Hari Papani, Hari Dukhani, Hari Agnyanam Tatkaryam. So one who removes the, 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 the suffering of the devotees, one who removes all the Papa, all the, the sins of the devotees, one removes the ignorance of the devotees. Meaning that ultimately we pray to the Lord who is our own self. Because it is said that the self is to reveal himself self in its true form. Right now he is revealing all right as a jiva, as a limited being. Same self should reveal himself as Brahman, as limitless. Never we need also the grace of the self. We always need the grace. Whenever we want knowledge, we always want, need the grace of what we want to know. Something strikes, something clicks, then you understand. So how did that understanding come? You were thinking about something, deliberate upon that, and all of a sudden then the answer comes, a clarity comes. How does it come? Is it I who is the author of that knowledge or clarity? Or is that clarity given to me? You can say either way. But then a devotee would say that that clarity or the knowledge is given to me by Ishwara. The Ishwara is of the nature of knowledge. And therefore, 
whenever any knowledge takes place, even any knowledge in the day-to-day life takes place, you can say that Ishvara reveals himself from that knowledge. Thus we need the grace of Ishvara. We need all grace. We need the grace of Ishvara. We need the grace of teacher, grace of scriptures, grace of the self. Ishvara Krupa, grace of Ishvara, Shastra Krupa, Guru Krupa, grace of teacher, Shastra Krupa, grace of scriptures, Atma Krupa, grace of the very self. All Krupa or grace we need for these things to work. Then a prayer. The grace comes by prayer. We seek the grace. Lord, please bless me. Seeking bless Shri Harim. Whatever the author here remembers, Shri Harim. Hari. Harim is Lord Vishnu, Lord Narayana, who, whose nature it is to remove. Like our Swami's story, you know. So Swami heard this mantra. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. So just remember, you know, this is, each one of them is a Sambodhanam. Hare Rama, He Hari, He Rama, Rama Rama, He Rama, He Rama, Hare Hare, He Hari, He Hari. Hare Krishna, He Hari, He Krishna. Krishna Krishna, He Krishna, He Krishna. Hare Hare, He Hari, He Hari. What is this? So, in this mantra we are just addressing He Hari, He Rama, He Krishna. Normally, you always make a prayer. Please, you know, please do this for me. Normally, when you utter a mantra, either there is a namaskara or prayer, there is nothing here. So, a peculiar mantra. Swami was wondering, he said, what, what's the purpose of this mantra? Because, you know, there is no prayer involved here. There is no salutation involved here. Om Namah Shiva. Some salutation is involved. was thinking. Says then, says once I was traveling from Madras those days to Delhi, some place. In between at four o'clock in the morning, some railway, railway, you know, the station comes. Chaiwala, Chaiwala, Chaiwala. You know, you stretch out your tumbler, you pour the tea. No other communication takes place there. All you do is strip, just stretch out your hand with tumbler, that full of pours chai. See, that's how it is. Hey chaiwala, hey chaiwala, he comes. That's all. And then what do you do? He pours the tea without any further instruction or without any further communication. Hey Hari, hey Hari, you call him? He does his chai. What will chai wala do? He will give you chai. So what will Hari do? He will do what is accustomed to all his nature. Does. Hari, Harati. The one removes all the sins, removes all the, you know, removes all this sorrow. So we don't need to tell him anything because that is his job. That is his nature. The nature will work. I mean, hey fire, what will fire do? It will burn, you know, or cook. Don't need to instruct him. See, so because nature doesn't require instruction. So nature of hurry to remove your... So I want my ignorance to be removed. So 
Agnan Tatkaryani Harati, the one who removes ignorance and all the products of ignorance, that's Hari. Shri Harim, along with Shri, here Shri will stand for Brahma Vidya. Shri Bhagavan Vacha. Shri means Lakshmi actually. Because Lakshmi always goes with Hari, with Narayana. Shri Hari. But then, Lakshmi is wealth. And real wealth is nothing but knowledge. So Shri here means what? Brahma. The real wealth is Brahma Vidya. So Hari, who is endowed with, with Brahma. So we are invoking Hari with Brahma Vidya. Hari can be invoked in many ways. Hari, the Lord, is creator, sustainer, dissolver, omniscient, omnipotent, and all kinds of things. And so you can invoke him for protecting you from this difficulty, that. But here what? Shri Hari. Meaning that we are invoking Hari with Brahma Vidya. Who is Hari? Paramanandam. Nature of Ananda. And Paramananda. Ananda means happiness. And since this happiness is a word that is used in a day-to-day, you know, communication, therefore one adjective is given, Paramananda. What is Parama? Parama means that which is beyond the limitation of space, time and condition. So Parama. Desha, Kala, Vastu, Parichena, Sunyam. Not confined, I mean, they are not confined to a place, not confined to a time, not confined to a situation. Meaning that which is there in all the places, at all the places, at all the times, and all situations. So what ananda you want? You don't know ananda is confined to a given time, or a given place, or a given situation are happy in the morning, but miserable in the evening. We don't want that. I'm happy at home, but miserable outside. You don't want that also. Happy when I'm with you and not otherwise. That also you don't want. So what you want is not only ananda, but paramananda, the limitless happiness. Limitation being limitation in time, limitation in place, and limitation in situation. We do not want that of ananda or happiness be confined or restricted or so this we want unconditional happiness. And so this ananda is qualified by parama, unconditional happiness. Because happiness that we normally experience is always conditional. When we satisfy some condition, then happiness is possible. So excellent food, all right, but condition in my stomach should be in order. My teeth should be in place. My mind should not have all kinds of ulcers and things like that. So we take it for granted, but all these conditions are there for even to enjoy food. Because when ulcers come, then I say, Swami, I can't eat this. My stomach is not right. I can't eat this paratha. How any enjoyment always requires satisfaction of variety of conditions, meaning that whatever kind of happiness that experience always conditional happiness. We settle for that because we don't know any better. We are not. We are not content with it. We are not satisfied with it. What we get, but that's all we know. We get never. We live with it. Our desire is what? Our desire is to have happiness 
which is free from all conditions. I, can, I should be able to enjoy it. Whether there are ulcers in my mouth, stomach ache is there, headache is there, some desirable thing is there or not, on any conditions. Is it possible ever to have happiness which is not unconditional? Then I may be lying down, I may be sick, I may be healthy, walking, talking, with friends, with enemies, with anywhere. Is it possible to have happiness at all the places, all the times, in all conditions? Is it possible? Can there be anything like that? Can there be any happiness? Is it there? Can it be there? Yes? Where is it? Where is it? The only thing that is there at all the times, all the places, the all conditions, what? The self. So only when happiness comes from the self, that can be parama, otherwise it cannot be. Anything that comes from non-self cannot be, it is a parama, meaning all conditional. But the only is involved. The, the experiencer, an experience, the duality is involved. Happiness comes when the duality is merged. In one flame of happiness, the duality between the experience and experience, you know, <laughs> when the duality merges. But then, so, so the duality being there, you need to do something for that duality in one flame of experience. Something has to happen. Some condition has to happen. Moment that condition changes, the duality comes back, I'm back to where I was. So this Paramananda can only be when there's no duality. Is it not so? No duality of experiencer and experience when can it be? Only when it is myself. This morning we say. So Paramananda has to be of the nature of self, otherwise it cannot be Paramananda. Parama has to be self. The limitless has to be because everything is limited. Everything that we experience, everything that we perceive, everything that we see is all limited. Everything in the universe is created and so is perishable. However great it is, however long lasting it is, someday it will perish. There is only one thing that is not created. What is it? The self. The consciousness. <coughs> So it will be called, you know, therefore, Paraman, Sri Harim, they were really speaking. Even when the writer, the author, the poet, whatever you want to call him, is saluting Sri Hari, when he says Sri Hari is Paramananda, then the Sri Hari is nothing, no, none other than his own self, Paramananda. Upadeshtaram is also immersed as teacher. So this happens to be salutation both to Ishvara as well as Guru. Because grace of Ishvara also is required, grace of Guru also is required. Grace of self also is required. So Upadeshtaram. Upadeshtaram means what? The teacher. So Upadeshtaram means teaching. Upadeshtaram means the teacher. Who is the teacher? Shri Harim Upadeshtaram. Shri Hari is the teacher. 
meaning that the author here does not see the difference between Sri Hari and the teacher. He sees Sri Hari in the very teacher. So Paramananda meaning he sees Sri Hari in the self. Upadeshtaram, he sees Sri Hari in the teacher. Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bhedavimagine Ishvara Guru and Atma. One Dakshina Murti, one Ishvara or one self alone is in all the sea forms. So Upadeshtaram. So I salute Sri Hari who is in the form of my teacher. <coughs> Ishwaram is Ishwara. Who is Ishwara? So Ish means to rule. Ishwara means one whose nature it is to rule, the ruler. <coughs> the Ishwara is further described. Vyapakam saralokanam karanam tamdamamyam Sarulokanam karanam karan the cause Sarulokanam of all the worlds one who is the cause of the universe but then we know that when any creation takes place there are two causes which are the two causes? the nimitta karam or the efficient cause, intelligent cause other is the upadanakara and the material cause. So creating a pot, you require a potter, pot maker, which is the nimitta karam, the efficient cause. Other is the clay, which is the upadanakara. But here is the karam. So actually causes are two. Now he should have used the dual, isn't it? But here karam is what? Singular. So which karam is saluting? When here the author says karam tam namamyam that karam sarvalokanam karam the cause of the entire universe tam namamyam I salute him. So uh, which cause is saluting? Meaning that he does not see two causes. Normally there are two causes. Nimitta karanam, upadana karanam. Which are always different from each other. Nimitta karanam is intelligent cause. Intelligence always is centered upon a conscious being. Therefore, nimitta karanam, the creator must be an intelligent being. Dupadana karanam is like a clay is always inert. Therefore an intelligent being such as a pot maker takes the clay which is matter and forms it and shapes it to create a product. So that's the usual setup where an intelligent being such as a pot maker who has the knowledge of the pot, who has the skills of making the part. That one. So you must have the knowledge, must have the power. So jnana must be there, shakti must be there. You also must have other help, such as a wheel, etc., 
for creating a part. All of that is included in the Nimitta Karnam. See, Nimitta Karnam, the term, includes not only part maker, also includes the potter's wheel and a stick which he may have. And then he has a thread to cut it. All of this is part of the Nimitta Karnam. Some other nimittas are also there. The question is, why does the pot maker make a pot of this size, a given size? Why? Because he hopes that it will be bought by a client. Meaning that he makes a pot as desired by a client. Is it not so? Or he will make something which nobody will buy, you know, that, that won't work. So somebody has asked him to make a pot like that. So somebody's desire is there, somebody's karma is there, so that, that karma and all of these are part of Nimitta Karna. But anyway, whatever it is, Nimitta Karna includes a lot of things. Other is the Upadana Karna, which is the clay. So normally these are two different because one is sentient, other is insentient. Nimitta Karana, the efficient cause is sentient, Upadana Karana is insentient. But here, Sarvaloka Nam, when it comes to creation of all the worlds, creation of the universe, cause is one. So please tell me, the creator of the universe is a sentient being or insentient being? If it is an sentient being, like a pot maker, is conscious being, then where does he get the matter from? Because we require matter to create. Now he is a conscious being, or where does he get the matter from? Where does he get it from? From himself? But where does he get his consciousness? Where is, where is matter? His consciousness himself, where does he get matter? for creating, where does it come from? Hmm? From himself? But his conscious being, where does he get it? There is no matter in consciousness, is there? No. Huh? Changes. Apparent cause. I mean, there is no matter, that's what it means, you know. If all there is is con, there is no matter. What do you mean there is no matter? We experience it everywhere. Is there and still not there. What is it? It is projection. So, only way that cause can be one is if what is created is a projection. In real creation, it cannot happen that the creator and the matter are the same, the two causes are the same, it cannot be, in the real creation cannot be. But here, they are one because creation does not require any matter, it is just projection. And so, this itself shows, when Lord Krishna says, Mattah Paratma Nanyat Kinchirasa Eya Dhananjaya Desnana, none other than me, means what? Even he says, dismiss, all I, all is there is I. But what about this? That is only I. 
Whereas you is all projected. When the creation is projection, then only the efficient and material causes can be one. Because no real matter. All there is, all there is, is consciousness. So therefore, sarlokanam karanam tam namamyam to that Ishvara, to that Sri Hari, to that ruler. Because as far as the Vyavahara is concerned, as far as the transactional world is concerned, there is creation. In the creator is Sri Hari or Ishvara. In the creator must have the knowledge of what is to be created. He must have the power of what is to be created. So the efficient cause must have the knowledge and Shakti the power. And over the material cause. Material cause pervades the effect. So when you buy this pot, the pot maker doesn't come with it. We don't need it, thank God. Our home there will be pot makers and there are tailors and there are carpenters, all kinds of fellows will be there. But thank God that the Nimitta Karan, the creator is not part of the creation. Is Tadastra, he remains away. But the material has to come. Without material there cannot be thing. So Swami says, imagine a shirt without some material. Imagine a shirt. So cloth, okay. Well, any other kind of fabric is not there. All right, somebody can even make, make a shirt out of newspaper, you know. He says, ah, you would... Some material must be there. There cannot be shirt without material. Cannot be product, but some matter must come. Dupadana karan, the material cause must come with the effect. So wherever the effect is, there the material cause is. Ishwara is material cause. Then as material cause, he pervades the effect. The whole universe is effect, then Ishwara is pervade in the whole universe. He is not so vyapakam. He is what? All pervading. Swami, if Ishwara is all pervading, where is he? Do we experience Ishwara? It's all pervading. So when you experience that part, would you not experience the clay also? The material cause must go with the effect. So when you perform, when you experience the part, you also experience the clay, is it not so? When you touch the pot, you are touching the clay. The weight of the pot is weight of the clay. Smell of the pot is smell of the clay. So if the whole world is Paroda Ishwara, then then I'm touching Ishwara, is it not so? Why is Ishwara? I don't experience Ishwara. So this is a different kind of situation. This is a different kind of a material cause. Ishvara is no doubt the Nimittakar official cause as well as material cause. But a different kind of material cause, a, a kind different from what we are familiar with. We are familiar with material cause such as clay. 
Ishvara is not a material cause like clay is for a part. Because clay gets transformed to become part. Then clay no more remains in his original form. If Ishvara transforms himself as his universe, that must be all kinds. Vishwara, like clay, transforming itself in, into pots and pans, no more retains its original shape. So also, if Vishwara has transformed himself as his universe, for Ishvara to be the material cause, for being the material cause, if Ishvara needs to transform himself as this universe of names and forms, there is no Ishvara left, is it not so? There is no more clay left because it becomes all these pots and pans. So how can there be... So Ishvara has to be a material cause. Where everything is created and it still remains intact, you know. So material cause remaining intact the effect is created. How about that? Normally, material cause doesn't remain intact. It gets spent away. We can't have Ishwara is spent away, but then who will you worship? Ishwara is the goal of our life, there is no goal left, no moksha. The Ishwara should remain intact as Ishwara and still be the material cause, there is no divinity. Sadeva Swam, Idamagra, Ekameva, Advitiyam, Advitiyam, there is no duality. So non-duality also is there. Ishwara is the efficient cause as well as material cause. At the same time, there cannot be transformation because Ishwara got transformed in the universe and no Ishwara is left. So Ishwara, without being transformed, remaining intact, must be the material cause of the universe. So what kind of cause is that? What's the word for that? So, so that, then there are two kinds of material cause. Like the clay is for the part, and like Ishwara is for the universe. So this is Parinami Upadhanakarana. The clay undergoes parinama or transformation to become the effect. Other is what? Vivarta upadhanakaranam. Where the cause, without undergoing any change, creates the effect. Is there an example for that? For this kind of a creation, do we have an example? Which is that? I should hear that. Dream. Oh, okay. What else? Spider. Hmm? Spider? Ah, I don't know. Hmm? What is it? The rope snake. Ah, the rope snake. That's the example. The rope creates the snake without undergoing any transformation. A rope, remaining rope, Svasvarupa, Aparitya, meaning giving, without giving its Svarupa, it becomes a snake. 
Does it become the snake? It appears as a snake. Therefore, for this kind of creation, creation as to what? Appearance. It cannot be. It shows one karma, shows all of this, you know. For Ishvara to be deficient as well as a material cause, the creation must be what? Only appearance, projection. There will be consciousness. Without getting, because it can't transform it, consciousness is changeless. Ishvara, as consciousness is incompetent, you know, to become material cause, really. It doesn't have what it takes to produce. You know, Ishvara doesn't, conscious doesn't have what it takes to produce. And still it is produced, means what? It's just an appearance and not a reality. <coughs> so, Brahma Satyam, Jagan Mithya, Brahma, the cause is Satyam, the true, real, the creation of name and form is what? Mithya is an appearance. Vyapakam, Sarul, then still, he being the material cause, he must pervade everything. Ishvara being the material cause, must pervade the effect of the universe. How does he pervade? He must pervade the whole universe. How does he pervade? As asti, bhati, priyam. In every name and form there is asti, then this part is asti. Part shines, bhati. Part is useful. Therefore, dear, priyam. So also the clock is, clock shines, clock is dear because it is useful. You know, what is it? Dear is, useful is dear. Everything is useful to somebody in some situation. So even its potential of being dear, a source of happiness. Swasti, bhati, priyam. The whole universe of names and forms is pervaded by asti, bhati, priyam. Is it not so? Vyapakam. In this manner, vyapakam, not that you stretch out in a manner and pervade. So, here the pervasiveness, the idea of the pervasiveness is simply transcended because it's not pervading in terms of space. It's pervading in terms of being free from the idea of space. So, Vyapakam, Sarulokanam, Karanam, he is Upadeshtaram, he is a very teacher. So, look how Ishwara is embodiment of la grace. That he undergoes all the trouble to become a. How? Why should he come in the form of a teacher? He is in Vaikuntha, he is enjoying himself. Why do you have to come down here? Why do you take incarnation? And then come in and you know, go 14 years of exile in forest and why do you have to go all this stuff here? Why does he deliberately undertake all this trouble? Why does mother do all this thing? I don't know. Little child, you know, why does she keep awake? This fellow is crying and you know, why does she keep awake? 
he wears the bed and then she's puts little child in the dryer and she sleeps in the bed part. Why? It's out of love. That's the definition of love. But there is always sacrifice involved. <coughs> there is no love without sacrifice. Make Ishwar also sacrifice. He can't remain have everything to himself, everything as he wants. No. He also has to become an ordinary human being and then go through whatever uh, trials and tribulations are there. Upadeshtaram, that Hari or Ishwara is my teacher. How graciously, which is his grace that he comes before me as my teacher. There is no other way that I can ever know. So unless Ishwara Krupa is there, and when he comes as Guru, Guru Krupa is also there, and then only Shastra Krupa comes because he unfolds the scriptures. That's why Atma is not so Atma Krupa comes. So Sri Harim, Paramanandam, Upadeshtaram, Ishwaram, Vyapakam, Sarulokanam, Karanam, Tam Namamiyam. Tam! Tam is Prasiddham, this is well known. That Ishvara, Namamiyam, I salute. I offer my salutations, prostrations to Ishvara, the Guru of that nature. When someone like Shankaraja is Namamiyam, how would that be? When someone like Shankaraja is Namamiyam, Namami, Namaskarumi, Svatmatvena, Anusandhadhami, Tyartha. So what is the ultimate of salutation, ultimate of prostration? What is namanam, prostration or salutation? What does it symbolize? Symbolizes my spirit of surrender. And that surrender is a total trust. That is the surrender always involves what? A trust. So I I surrender, Namami, I salute. I surrender because I have the total trust that I'm protected here. I'll be taken care of here. I'm protected here. So you don't do. Our Swami says, don't surrender any anybody. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's a risky thing. You can be taken advantage of when you surrender like that. So surrender also should only take place to a worthy being. Who can be worthier than Sri Hari in the form that my teacher? To that Sri Hari, Namami. I salute. What is the ultimate limit of salutation? You know, in algebra there is a limit. What is the ultimate limit of salutation? Where even the duality of a saluter and saluted does not remain. That is ultimate in salute because it is surrender. What is surrender? I surrender my ego. Surrender myself. Means what? The ego becomes what? Subtler and subtler. Ultimately, the ego dissolves completely. So for someone like Shankaracharya, when salutation also is nothing but of the nature of knowledge, to know Sri Hari, the teacher, as my own self. So when he salutes, he salutes everybody. Sri Hari also is saluted. Ishwar also is saluted. Teacher also is saluted. Self also is self because ultimately what remains is self. 
that Sri Hari, Aham Namahami, I salute. <coughs> So having done that Mangalacharan now, the author proceeds. Idanim Prekshavat Prabhutai. Just because you have written a book doesn't mean that people will read it. Just because you write something doesn't mean that people read it. Usually the preface should be. Before every book there is a preface. A forward or preface is there. And that preface, usually if it is well written, will be something that gives you an overview of what this book contains. Going to, what are you going to read? The preface usually contains what the book is going to have, what's the subject matter, and what's the benefit of reading this. In any little introduction also you give, then you always tell, even when we write a little blurb on the fourth page as we call it, you know, the, the, the end of the book, there also in that little thing you give the subject matter. Also tell what will be the result or what do you expect of, after reading this book. Then only people will live in a little booklet also and put it back away. Any intelligent person should do that. Before buying, let me see what it is saying. Okay, this talks about the subject matter I'm interested in. Secondly, the subject matter can be such that it's beyond me, you know. Subject matter is there, okay. Some particle physics and stuff like that. All I know are the words, nothing more than that. Then also I'll put aside. Meaning that that topic must be such that it should apply to me. I should have the qualification to be able to benefit from that. Otherwise we don't need everything that comes to us. Or everything that's in library. Or you bookstore, you go and you don't buy every book and or any books. So you buy the book of a subject with astrology, astronomy, yoga, all kinds of things are there. So you buy the book of the subject matter which you are interested in. And then also they are meant for, there's some advanced yoga. Our astrology camps also are different, advanced astrology camp, beginner astrology camp, advanced this camp. When I hardly know the spelling of astrology, I'm not going to go to advanced astrology camp, you know. And so, you have to know that, we have to make sure that this will benefit me. So we read something or study something, number one, in which we are interested, number two, where we think that we will understand and benefit from that, and number three, the benefit that comes also must be meaningful to me, otherwise, uh, with this thing now you will qualify to get a lottery ticket or something, I am not interested. So what I am saying is that the benefit that comes also should be relevant to me. So subject matter whether I am qualified to study, after studying also, what do I gain out of that? And fourthly, so there is the study on one hand, and the gain or the result in the other hand. Between the study 
and the result, what is involved in that? For example, the tourism department will send you, you know, some information about Orissa and thing, Odisha. Wonderful. So you read, I am interested, I think I have money to travel, everything is there. But then what? Merely knowing about Odisha is not enough, I must travel. Some, some karma is involved. So between knowledge is knowing this book and result that I want to see a certain monument or certain go to visit certain temple, some, some link is involved, karma is involved. So sambandha. What is sambandha or relationship between the knowledge and the ultimate benefit that I want, that also should be clear to me. Whether I am ready to do, oh, you to go to Kashmir, no, I don't do that. So, so with, I like Kashmir, I like what they say, everything, but traveling to Kashmir, I can't do that. Uh, for example, this, man, you know, Kailas, Kailas Mansarovar, very, very wonderful. They'll give a video and all sorts of things. Don't tell me. Swami, when are you going to Kailas? Don't tell me. Don't ask me why. I'm not ready to take any exertion and stuff. So then I just resign. Meaning that that connects Sambandha that is required. To know about Kailasa and then to they see Kailasa, a lot of things are involved. That's Sambandha, which may also discourage me or encourage me, whatever the case is. That means that these four things are have to be known. It's called Anubandha Chatushtya. Chatushtya means a group of four, Anubandha. Anu means Paschat. Bandha means that which binds you. So that which binds you with the book, meaning that which prompts you to study the book, is called Anubandha Chatushtya. So then every intelligent person should always provide us this. Before you listen to a talk, also they announce what the topic is. Usually that's, that's how it should be. Then you decide whether you want to go or not. And then uh, what kind of lecture? Is it a political lecture? Is it this lecture, that lecture? The medical thing, and something, physics, whatever. So then you decide whether you want. So all these four things are usually known. Suppose then you understand Pineapple, what is the big deal about it? Lesson? So even if I don't know this feeling, so what? I'm not interested because it doesn't do anything to me. Ultimately our own, our interest is always in ourselves, not in anything else. And therefore doing any activity, including study also, if it relates to me and benefits me, then only I will do that, otherwise I won't do. That is what the teacher has to do. The teacher has to establish that connection between the student and the benefit that comes from this learning. Then only anybody will be motivated because people are motivated only by self-benefit, by nothing else. The students get bored easily. Geography, I'm not interested in geography. I'm not interested in this social science because I don't see any connection. History, we gave up, took the subject option, history, geography. Because not interesting. Doesn't relate to me. Who cares for them? And some mountains are there, rivers are there, let them be there. But the, you know, you want, what is the job of the teacher? The teacher should be able to make me see that studying this is going to create a personal benefit to you. Meaning history must be connected to I and geography connected to I or anything connected to I. Because I am interested in myself, 
then that thing will become of interest to me, not otherwise. So that is what every author should do. These four, four factors, they will bind me. So that's all the connection with the text called Anubandha Chatushtayam is also to be given. The next verse will do that. Let us read that verse. Aparokshanu bhutirvai Rochyate moksha siddhaye Sadmireva prayatnena Vikshaniya muhurmuhu So this is the verse which gives us the Anumanda Chatrashtaya. We'll see it in the next class. <coughs> Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadavya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavantavunapuna Ishvaro Gururatmeri Murti Veda Vivagine Vyoma Vatvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Shri Guru Pyo Namaha Hari Om